baby. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to Austin Danger <laughs> Podcast. This is the first official episode of the show. As always, I'm Kev. I'm Mackenzie. And this is your one-stop shop for all Austin Powers news, information. We're going to celebrate the people who made it. You know, we we saw a demand in the market. And we're going to we're going to fill that demand. That's what's going to happen. People the people are clamoring for Austin Powers content, okay? Here's what we're going to do. A, we heard your notes through the power of reverse psychology, right? We're going to get Mike Myers and Jay Roach back together, and we're going to get Austin Four made, number one. Single-handedly. Not single-handedly, or double, double-handedly? Double-handedly, yeah, right. we're together. Number two, we're going to make everyone fall back in love with Austin Powers all over again. All right. Number three, Austin this. Powers Minute, we see you, bud. You're going to come back, and you're going to do Gold Member. Oh. <sighs> Yes, Austin Powers Minute, come come be on our pod. The cottage industry will thrive. And it all starts right here tonight with the first episode of Austin Danger Podcast. Oh, thank God. I'm thank so glad God. we're here. I'm so glad we're here. I'm so glad we're doing this. Thank God for us. Right? <laughs> what would the world do without this, us, honestly? This is really, this is like, um, you ever watch the news? You know, I got into this ritual a couple weeks ago where my girlfriend and I, we hang out, we watch Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. And mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the local news or whatever, World News Tonight, there's always a little story at the end. Where that story waiting to happen? The feel good, you know, she was a little girl from Connecticut who wrote letters to veterans or whatever. Where that <laughs> Yeah, we're we're here. We're 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 pulling you out of the the sadness and the desolation of the fucking world right now, and we're bringing you happiness in an Austin Powers package. David Muir, follow us at Austin Danger Pod. <laughs> All I have to say. All right. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to say hi and to say thank you to all of our wonderful friends. Yeah. Um, there's been so much love and support and friendly roasting of us over the last few <laughs> days since our episode zero came out. And uh, we hear you and we love you and we thank you and we welcome you back to the show. Yeah, thank you for the slings and arrows you've thrown at us. It's only made us stronger as a podcast, okay? <laughs> um, there is a certain phrase that I have been asked by our legal team not to say again to refer oh my to God. the. Look, this is tough. It's a tough business, but I don't know if we should use the phrase trilly again. I I didn't see anything wrong with it. I don't understand why we got so much shit for it. What's wrong with the trilly? I love shortening words that don't need to be shortened. I feel like if Austin were here today, he would love the word trilly. Oh, yes. He'd be like, oh, what a trilly, baby. A trilly gets me switched on, baby. Yeah. Like like that. <laughs> God, oh, I love it, a trilly. It freaks me out. <laughs> when he said that, we're going to get to it. When he said that in the movie, it made me laugh really hard. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's great to be back. I love doing this show and planning it out. And um, I can't <laughs> wait to get started. But first... whoop dee news What does it all mean, Basil? whoop dee news Basil. Look, there hasn't been a lot of movement on Austin Powers 4 in the last seven <laughs> you mean, days. 
What? This week wasn't huge for Austin Powers specific news? The the basic announcement of the show and the rollout of episode zero has not moved the needle just yet. Okay. Um, there is this article we found from September 2020 from Observer where they scooped up a quote from Seth Green joking about how, oh, we started shooting, but it got shut down because of the pandemic. We'll get into Seth Green later, but total Seth Green move. What? That very much Seth Green move. He hasn't heard anything about this in six or seven years. So, <laughs> And not to, not to spoil Goldmember if no one's seen it. Spoiler alert for Goldmember. He is sort of... Uh, played up at the end of that film to be the the next antagonist so it would be a little weird if he hadn't heard about it when he is uh seemingly intended to be the villain of the fourth film if there's one person in the world who's gonna know when austin powers forward's coming it's gonna be like like outside of if there's a like a third person it would be seth green so uh yes <laughs> that looks bad I, I i don't i don't know guys i don't know what else to say <laughs> Uh, again, this is just episode one. We are laying the groundwork. We're for the laying the groundwork. Swap. We're going to create the demand. We need you all shaking the world with us. Hey, also creating demand is the new Austin Powers and Mass Effect video. Oh, I'm obsessed with those videos. Have you seen, like, it just went up yesterday, I think. It's so good. Yeah, I love it so much. And if, if people listening, you have not seen YouTube, Austin Powers and Mass Effect, this person makes the best videos they think they also put mr bean in like cyberpunk 2077 like they put very silly characters into video games and it is impeccably edited and the austin powers ones are so funny especially if you like mass effect like i do they're very funny (laughs) the dance in this one is beyond the beyond the beyond it's just so sick (laughs) so good um what else do i have here oh i want to give a special shout out to our (laughs) Our pal on Instagram, uh, the Austin Powers impersonator, Richard Halpern. Yes. Hello, Richard. Hi, Richard. We love you. If you're listening to this somehow, we love you. And um, We do. He keeps the spirit of Austin alive. You know, usually in a, in a pre-pandemic world, he'd be going to trade shows as Austin and doing bits on the floor. You know, there's a great video on his YouTube channel where there's an Oral-B toothbrush mascot. And he goes, I love Oral, baby. Yeah, Oral B. <laughs> um, I don't know how so that. funny. I don't know how that plays in today's corporate environment. But <laughs> HR, uh, but he, excuse me. But he keeps the spirit alive. You know, he's also um, a really great uh, big band crooner as well, which I didn't yeah. expect, but he's great. Uh, but he keeps the spirit alive. He does Austin impressions on his Instagram account. We will uh, share his stuff as it comes up um, on our Instagram. And uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Thank you, yeah. Richard. We love you, bud. <laughs> um, what else do I have here for Austin news? Uh, you know, there's a lot of listicles that come out every now and then. And every once in a while, they involve Austin. BuzzFeed, so, I think, has created that culture on the internet of if you have no content to release, you think of a random thing to make a list about that induces nostalgia in people. Uh, and you're like, this is content. I made money from this. Here you go. And plus, like, beyond that, but, like, be- sites, BuzzFeed hasn't even done this. Maybe they have now. It's been, I haven't read BuzzFeed lists in a while. Oh, ages, yeah. But they'll do slideshows where every <laughs> click is a page view on an ad. And they, they start <laughs> raking Lord. it in, see? You got to know where, <laughs> listen, if Gizmodo publishes a list like 10 spectacularly silly depictions of the moon in movies. You know Dr. Evil's going to be on that list. 
He's gotta be. He slides six. And that means... Secret moon base. You have to you have to go through six ads before you get to that. <laughs> That's dedication to seal Doctor E. Um, that is because of the new role in American movie Moonfall. Have you heard of this? I have, and I, I'm oh, I'm worried I'm gonna say on episode one something controversial. I I, I thought that I couldn't tell. I, it seemed from the commercial the tone is the is same is the same as Don't Look Up. Is that true? Is that correct? Or is it's it not a satire. It's totally played okay. straight. Okay. I just was like, why are we getting two movies like this in the same year? Uh, So I was confused. He did uh, The Day After Tomorrow and 2012 and the Godzilla movie. Um, He makes movies that are, how you say, not good. I've seen zero out of of four of those. There are a bunch of links to his work. (laughs) And this one's about the moon, so it links that way. So there you go. There you go. Um, What else do I have? Well, frankly, there's never a, a ton of Austin news. Uh, I have some other lists here, but probably not worth talking about. Um, <laughs> um, do you have any other Austin news? Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't prepare any. I apologize. I mostly am just. Uh, en- I'm enjoying the news being brought to me. I'm being a little princess <laughs> and letting the news come to my feet. I try to gather it, you know, just to bring you guys behind the scenes here on episode one. It's a feverish, manic half hour I spend in the morning trying to find Austin Powers news. And uh, boy, is it ever difficult. I got to get a Google alert going for Austin Powers. What are we doing? We really should. But, you know, but then then it becomes like Austin Powers. Like the city of Austin resiliently presses on. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> All right. So that was Austin News. So what do you say we get right into the main event? Our feature presentation tonight, big surprise, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Mackenzie, would you like to start us off with the synopsis? Let's get into it. It's 1967. Austin Powers is an international man of mystery, a famous photographer, and a swinger, baby. Women want him, men want to be him, and he's Britain's top secret agent. His arch nemesis, Dr. Evil, has continuously failed time and time again to assassinate Agent Powers to no avail. After his latest failed attempt, Dr. Evil freezes himself and rockets into the vastness of space to simply outlive his nemesis. The British government, in response, cryogenically freezes Austin Powers as well, so that he may be dethawed and leap back into action when his enemy reappears. This happens to occur in present day, 1997. Austin is unfrozen, paired with a new partner, the beautiful Vanessa Kensington, and charged with the mission of stopping Dr. Evil once again. What follows is a movie filled to the brim with culturally iconic bits, lots of horniness, and of course plenty of Burt Bacharach. Austin seduces fembots, saves the world from Dr. Evil, and his stolen warhead, and still has time to get the girl. This is Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. Expertly done. (laughs) My first draft that I did not revise. Knocked it right out of the park. Kev, I had the most fun watching this movie this afternoon and weirdly i saw things i hadn't seen before (laughs) i felt so silly that there were so many times where i was like is that in the movie like i was i was so honed in 
It was wild. Yeah, you know, um, I've watched it a bunch over the last month as we've, like, prepped for the show. And every time now is, like, a new, there's something new. And you know what I think that is, too, is because we're watching it now on these giant TVs in high def. And the, the high def, the transfer on this movie, it looks incredible. So it's like, it's like you're actually seeing it for the first time in a movie theater, like, on that scale. We need Austin 4K. What, that's what we need. That's the thing we need to manifest. Although, I don't know. Again, like... His teeth. His teeth in 4K. Okay. Can we talk about this? So in the so I watched the commentary today. We just happened to be watching the movie like 20 minutes apart. At the apart. same time. Exactly the same time. We didn't even like... Yeah, we like didn't even coordinate. We were just like, oh, happened to be watching at the same time this afternoon. And the commentary says they made three pairs of teeth, each increasingly horrible. <laughs> one for super close-ups and you could tell in some of those transitions like you can see this is so gross you can see plaque in the fake teeth yes there's like it's it's like it is it looks like tar in between his teeth sometimes looks like I almost film yeah and then there's so like nasty. there's romance teeth which is like so you're not throwing up thinking about austin with like pieces of film stuck between his teeth making out with people uh, and then there's just like an in-between. Oh my gosh. And you could tell. Well, he gets nice teeth in the end. So that's good. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I never have to build another pair again. Can I just say starting off, starting off this movie, we got to talk about this opening sequence. Yes. Because I have a question for the world. What, Jaws? Whomst? Lord of the Rings? I don't know her. Is Soul Bossa Nova the greatest piece of music ever composed for a film? Note, Mackenzie looked this up after and found out this was not composed for the movie She is a Fool, but we're having a good time. Epic fail. Enjoy the episode. I love you. It's close. I'm I'm there. I Soul Bossa Nova is so good. I can't believe it. Nothing gets me more hype. It makes me want to swing my little arms in a circle and just twist my little twist my little toes and just dance. Here's a piece of trivia from the commentary. That wasn't in the movie for the longest time. The opening uh, dance, the dance sequence was not in the movie? It was not in the script for like ages until Mike Myers saw the movie Sweet Charity. I guess it's used there. Yeah. So they wrote this big musical introduction for Austin that ended up being a huge trademark of the whole franchise. Yeah. I mean, it continues through the rest of the movies and it gets bigger and bigger each time, really. Ladies and gentlemen, um, Mr. Quincy Jones. <laughs> the third yeah, one yeah. is so fucking good. Um, I, I just, I love this opening. I cannot believe... There could have been a world in which this was not the opening of the movie because it is just so good. It immediately, I was just watching it and I was enjoying watching Mike Myers in it so much because he's clearly having the time of his life and it really just kind of sucks you into the world really immediately. Like I really can't imagine this not being in the film. That's so wild to me. It is so important to like every bit of it too, not just Soul Bossa Nova, but the Dr. Evil scene that opens the film, everything yes. about it, the creeping way you're brought in from the new line logo into Dr. Evil's lair, the way that the whole dance works as an answer to that scene because they have to stop Austin Powers, right? All the little Beatlemania jokes about like the fake beard and him reading the newspaper. Like it's perfect. The only way I could describe it. It's so good. And I, <laughs> this is so stupid. A part of it kind of gives me chills each time because I'm obsessed with the moment when he runs away from the crowd around the building and then immediately is pops back out with a full band and they don't cut. Like I just love that shot so much. The marching band reveal is like 
one of my so favorite good. scenes in any movie. It is it's a dr- so it's a good. drug. It's a drug. <laughs> I get chills. <laughs> the point is, it's a perfect moment when he's leading the marching band, and you're like, "Yes, so nothing could ever be happier." And it's it's one of those, you know, in comedy, it could be so hard to set the perfect tone, and. In yes. five minutes, in five minutes, we have, this is kind of a serious James Bond story, but it's also very bright and colorful and happy as well. And the mix of that is perfect in the whole cold open, really. So what's next, uh, like, really stuck out to us? I mean, th- I mean that, that we, could, we could talk about that opening dance sequence until the end of time. That's true. We're setting a tone <laughs> here with how much we gushed about it. Um, when <laughs> we are. Austin and... Mrs. Kensington are in the car. All of the effects are done in this movie are done in an old fashioned way on purpose. So they're not green screened. They're using rear projections for the driving. And Basil is also an old school optical effect in the um, kind of the whatever the glove compartment. Now, what is it called? The middle, the the console in the Shaguar? Console, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Maybe. Cars. No, right? th- I, I, haven't, I have not driven a car in eight months, in like almost a year. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. But anyway, they get to the club. Austin, uh, there's a, you know, not everything can age great. There's the setup to the that's not a woman payoff later with yeah. Basil's mom. Yeah, just a joke that uh, it, it's very 1997 and, you know, transphobic man in a dress joke. I do think I still I do still think it's funny when he punches Basil's mom in the face later. But that's more <laughs> like an old lady bit it. Um, although <laughs> they said that that smacked. that's a real we'll get there but that's a real lady and she was really nice about it that's very sweet <laughs> but anyway not a great joke but they find Dr. Evil Austin goes there's the bastard which um, I use I use when I'm looking for like where's the Oreos <laughs> where's the there cat are, there's, there's a quote later that I think I have said more times in my in my life than any other movie quote ever and it doesn't make sense really anytime but it's i'll have to tell you it's 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 you know it's when they're in vegas there's a quote there that i'm obsessed with same here but it's a, i know which one but mine is different um <laughs> let's see there's the bastard dr evil escapes austin freezes himself and uh what do we see next we see clint howard hero of the show you don't know it yet clint howard so many good movies connect to him. Can I tell you something that fucking annoyed me about this scene? Like your your eyebrows just shot up <laughs> to your hairline. It's the fa- okay. So Clint Howard plays like a you know radar operator, and he calls like the colonel, the American general, or whatever. Uh, and what it the the it was the the way it cuts. Clint Howard is doing one take and this general, every line you can see it, that it fades and cuts, but it mixes hard cuts with fades. So what the impression I get is that this man could not get a single line out without them having to do a new take because truly like I couldn't, I was so distracted by this general. Um, the editing on him was so bad. I was like, what is going on? There's a lot of hurt. Like if you're looking for it, there is a lot of really weird editing, including the very end of the movie. The very end of this movie, it just smash cut the end. You're done. Um, Because I don't think it's him. I think it's because this movie is a a half a minute under 90 minutes. And studios like like 90 minute movies because you can run them X amount of times a day at a movie theater. I'm not joking. 
But I just wanted to say that was very funny. But the gist is that, you know, they, they're noticing that the big boy is is landing. The big boy <laughs> that the big Dr. Boy. Evil took off him. <laughs> There's the, the big boy shaped radar blip that has never yes. happened on a radar before. Does big boy still exist? I think in L.A. Well, your guy. I've never uh, been to a big boy. You know, your guy, David Lynch, practically holds court at big boy in Los Angeles. He does. I know. I know. I know. Mr. Lynch does love a love a Bob's <laughs> Bob's big boy, if you will. Um, I've never I've never been never seen one. Never. I didn't I didn't know if it still even was around. I thought it was a joke invented for Austin Powers. I didn't realize <laughs> it was a real restaurant. <laughs> Is it this movie or the second one where we see the big boy like um, shit out the little egg? That's the beginning of the second one. Okay, okay, okay. So, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! For come on! Oh god, we come did on. have one person on our on our Instagram say they had not seen this movie. So it was one person. There was one person. All right. In the spirit of in the spirit of sportsmanship, we're not going to dox anybody, but I'm very curious. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know if I can remember who it is. So if that makes you feel better, I can't dox them even if I wanted to. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, I asked everybody on our Instagram if they'd seen this movie and one person said no. So I would I would hope if you're here, you know, if you're following on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to watch it eventually. Yeah, uh, if not, true. welcome. I can't believe we get to introduce this to somebody. Oh my God. What a journey that person's in for also. <laughs> they get to see Austin in the pimp suit for the first time. Oh. <sighs> Oh. Anyway, anyway, uh, so Austin uh, gets on Frozen. The, go to the general goes to London, England. This unfreezing scene when I was younger was like the peak, the apex of comedy for me. Like the peeing bit specifically, I was obsessed with. I loved saying like, "Evacuation, come, come, evacuate." evacuation comp- like i used to say that <laughs> like i used to think it was so funny when i was peeing i would say it like i, I was obsessed with it when i was like nine the it best was crazy. one crazy the best one is the last one <laughs> where the robot voice gets annoyed <laughs> it's so good i oh, used to I love, lo- I love that scene and also this this first scene where we're really getting to hear him and his personality when the women are like you know, putting things on his ears and he's, and they're, he's talking to Basil. Um, I, this is another, this was an example of something I kind of noticed for the first time. I'm like, this is a really well-written scene. Like, this is so funny. It's Commander Gilmore, U.S. Strategic Command, and General Bolshevsky, Russian intelligence. Russian intelligence? Are you mad? A lot's happened since you were frozen. The Cold War's over. Well... Finally, those capitalist pigs will pay for their crimes, eh? Hey, comrades! Hey! Austin, we won. Oh, groovy, smashing. Yay, capitalism! (laughs) Hello. Hello. So much of the Austin Powers that everyone knows comes from the second one. And one of the things I love the most about the first one is that it is so smart. Mm-hmm. Nobody eats a baby. (laughs) Right? Like, Austin Powers is is a communist. Yeah, like, it's so funny, and there's parts later, too, just of him exploring, like, we'll get into it, like, I don't think I've ever, in every watch I've ever had, paid attention, really, to the lines of that last scene with Dr. Evil, number two, in Austin, and I was like, oh, they're, like, saying something about culture here, and I've, like, never paid attention to that, like, I think there is a lot of intelligence in this first one, 
Um, that does get, I think, dumbed down as the movies go forward. And I still think they're funny. And I, that's like why they're funny. But I do think that there's, there's some interesting stuff at play in this first one that I, I wasn't expecting and like hit me this time, kind of. For sure. Uh, where are we now? Austin has been on Frozen. He meets Vanessa. Vanessa. He has no internal monologue, so he says something rude. This, the penis enlarger pump bit is, is, is goat. That's such a good bit. I love how it, I love, I love when any type of comedy does that thing where it increases in specificity to the point where he has a book. Swedish made penis enlargement pumps are my bag, baby. It's so Signed funny to me. Powers. Uh, I first saw this movie on cable. And in the cable version of the movie, it is called a Swedish made enlarger pump. Uh, which, if you're eight years old, you don't know what that is. No. <laughs> What's it enlarging? Who knows? I so, would never know. So I had no idea what that joke was for years. <laughs> That's very funny. Okay. And then I think, I think we're back at Dr. Evil's lair and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Mr. Bigglesworth in the unfreezing process has lost all his hair and we Poor see baby. the first death of the mighty Mustafa. Oh, the brown face on Will Ferrell is something that also does not age very well. Uh, it at is all. West Side Story tier. It's not great. Oh, oh um, no. But hey, we do get Mandy Sterling as Frau, and I think she is so freaking funny through this whole movie. I only noticed on this watch that <laughs> Dr. Evil says she's like head of the quote militant branch of the Salvation Army. <laughs> I had never heard that line before and it made me laugh so hard. It's so good. She has like some of the best improv and some of the best lines as well. Yes. She has great character work. The shouting is all her. In this scene, I think, you know, hey, look, we, we may blur some things here. This is not a scientific show. But uh, the way that the improv of it's a little commercial where the kids chase the little leprechaun and he's like, Oh, you can't catch me. You can't catch Ooh, me. Candy. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, and so she, funny. she also has the best opening line to any scene, which is when we come back to Dr. Evil after this scene. Remember when we froze your semen? Remember when we froze your semen? <laughs> which is just like, so everything good. she says is so funny funny and she's i mean she gets even better in the other movies for me too when they give her more to do like she's she's just so funny i love mindy sterling in this i love i'm, I'm late <laughs> she's my lover unibrow <laughs> she's just <laughs> oh so yeah oh my God. we get to unibrow in movie too oh yeah uh, unibrow who's also a great character um <laughs> Oh, good lord! Yeah, I just I I think she's great. She's like she she definitely pops in these movies for me. We also get in this scene a lot of number two, Robert Wagner, yes. you know, who is uh, understood the assignment and comes in and is just absolutely again. I know we're gonna say this a lot about a lot of people, but absolutely perfect. He comes in, yeah. he explains that he's basically turned Doctor Evil's uh, Shadow Corporation into a modern '90s conglomerate. Uh, yeah. In a deleted scene, he sells cheese plates of the world to great success. <laughs> That's very funny. It's... Yeah, I do love that. And by the end of this movie, number two doesn't really want to take over the world. He's like, I just want to be a be a 
CEO of a company. Right. Like, well, that's like, what? Yeah, his whole argument, his whole arc on the movie and his argument is, well, I don't really have to go to Vegas and do all these things. And I don't really have to do that. I, I am Dr. Evil because I run a major corporation. Yeah. Corporations are Dr. Evil now. Dr. Evil <laughs> thinks he's going to hold the UN ransom for a million dollars. Yeah. What like, does he think this is? Corporations are the true evil, man. <laughs> there's that great, the man. There's that great scene. I think Mike Myers in the commentary credits it to uh, Deep Thoughts, Jack Handy from SNL. Um, but he has the idea to break up, um, oh, what's his name? Prince Charles and Princess Diana. Yes, 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 yes. Which already happened and they are divorced. He has an idea to poke a hole in the ozone layer. Also happened. Already, yes. It's kind of fun how him and Austin both have the same kind of learning curve they have to have. And I also, that Prince Charles line, I immediately paused and was like, didn't she die in 1997? This movie came out like two months before Princess Diana died. Holy shit. So it was probably still in theaters when she died and that line was there. I'm very curious if tabloids and and news articles in 1997 had feelings about that because i would assume this movie was still in theaters when that happened that's crazy i didn't really think of it like Isn't that, that wild? this came out in may and i think she died in august I think. oh my god 1997 <laughs> yeah that's crazy yeah very wild that they would write that in and then it would kind of well how would you know i guess you know what you I mean? would never know yeah if you're filming it in like 96 like absolutely not but uh yeah that's number two and then we go to vegas right we get austin and vanessa heading to vegas I think so. Yeah. No, they're on the plane. Yes, they are on the plane to Vegas. This is a very fun little scene. <laughs> Austin's plane has survived 30 years of unuse. No one's been using this plane for 30 years. Clearly someone's been cleaning it, though. I would hope so. <laughs> like, I would hope so. But like <laughs> The sheets have not been changed. He gets on them and they crack into a million pieces. <laughs> <laughs> the smelliest plane ever. Um, but like, who gets on this plane? Like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if I was assigned to work with Austin, I would uh, sit up front or something. Yeah, I wouldn't be like, I'll come hang up by the bed with you. Yeah, this giant bed. But we do see her being charmed by him nonetheless. Like, there, she is sort of just like, I would never touch you if you were the last man on earth. And then, like, she is charmed by him because she can't help but smile at him, shaking his ass at her and being cute and all that stuff. Right. Which is, like, you know, um, playful, maybe. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel, like, aggressive or weird. It feels like he's being silly and she's being like, okay, he's silly and it's kind of cute. Like, I never... I don't know. There's a scene I love later with the two of them. Like it doesn't. It, it, it it's it's interesting to me how he is so sexually aggressive and very flirty, um, but he never feels like um, I never feel nervous about him. Does that make sense? I get what There's you're like saying. Men in media where like if they're a bit more forward, I'm like, oh, you make me nervous because like, but like he never does because he's and like we see later, he has a really good idea and good boundaries around consent and like. I think that's so such an interesting character trait he has where he's just like, no, you're drunk and this isn't right. So like, let's let's wait. I'm like, whoa, of all characters to have great <laughs> rules of consent, Austin Powers it's does. It's the do I make you horny guy. Yeah. And he but and, but he's he's asking. He's not gonna, he's not going to force it on you. Uh, you know, that's I just true. Think it's, um, I love that. I just personally kind of love that Austin is like he just doesn't make me nervous. I'm not worried. He's like 
do something terrible to her, you know? Of course. Uh, then after the plane, we're back to Dr. Evil. Remember when we froze your semen? And here's another one of the oh. great performances. Seth Green comes in as Scott Evil. <laughs> Jamming Nirvana. In a Nirvana t-shirt. My hottest take coming out of this watch, probably, is that Seth Green's performance is an underrated dramatic performance. Especially in this scene. <laughs> really? Yeah. Think about it. Like, he comes out like, oh, you want to walk into my life? Fuck you. I mean, yeah, honestly, I not to get personal on Maine, yeah, like, my dad wasn't in my life either, and so I think I did love Scott growing up, because I was just like, yeah, <laughs> screw dads. Um, so I do understand that. I never thought of it as dramatic performance, but I do, I just think Seth Green's great, so I love him in <laughs> maybe, maybe he's super hot take, but... Uh, you, where is his Oscar? Where is his Oscar for Best Supporting Actor? Who won the Oscar for Best Supporting... You know what? Who won Who the won Oscar? Who won in 1997? Let's see, who won Best Supporting Actor for 1997? A little nobody named Robin Williams for Goodwill Hunting. Are you fucking kidding me? Throw him in the garbage. Seth Where's Green. Where's Seth Green? Where's Where Seth, Seth Green? Justice see, for Seth Green? This is manifesting. Um, <laughs> my God. I honestly couldn't believe it when it loaded up and it said Robin Williams. I forgot that this was the same year. And I feel like the, next are we in Vegas because the next thing I wrote down was the poker scene, which I think is my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, let's go to so Austin and Vanessa go downstairs into the casino. My favorite line in the whole movie happens here. He looks at a tourist wearing a straw yes. hat. Hey, there you are. Well, hi, do I know you? Yeah, but that's where you are. You're there. Hey. That's the line. That's what I was saying. That's the line I, I think I have quoted more than any other movie quote in my life. Is the, there you are. No, but that's where you are. You're there. I just think it's so funny. And I used to quote it constantly for no reason just, all the time. It's just the most 60s ridiculous thing to say. No, yeah, that's over where there. you are. You're there. Um, uh, it's, it's, it is absolutely one of my favorite lines in the whole series. And uh, <laughs> this poker scene is like my favorite in the movie, honestly. I love it so much. Like, honestly, all the hard work and the difficulty they had to shoot it at four in the morning, miserable, uh, really did pay off. We have uh, the soup Nazi himself dealing the cards. So all of Seinfeld yes. is eligible for ADP. I've and, never uh, seen an episode. Oh, man. I don't know how it's like now. But uh, anyway, um, we meet number two back at the table with Alata Fachina, our uh, obligatory James Bond name parody. <laughs> I She's very pretty. She is very pretty. I was like, she's hot. I love this. <laughs> um, but her name is obviously hilarious. She was in Jane the Virgin recently, and she still looks good. She's working. Really? Yeah, she's oh, like great. still working. Go she's, her. She gets a little scene at the end in the work print version of the movie, and she's like funny. Yeah, I think like, that like they they. I kind of wish she had gotten more because honestly, well, I like her scene with Austin. I think she's really funny in that scene. Like I, I I think she. I wish she had more. Like she's kind of present in the last scenes, but doesn't actually get to do anything. But yeah, I think she's funny. I like her on TV. She's a lot of clavage, clavage, which is what is uh, clavage? It's cleavage. Oh, <laughs> me! What the fuck is that word? Uh, We're off to a roaring a lot start. Of clavage. That somehow feels worse. To so me. it's funny you mention that because in the commentary they say that clavage was the first draft and that it's really? worse. They say it's worse in the commentary and it's in the TV cut. Because it is a lot of clavage is just like a lot of vagina has like a flow to it uh, in a way that's like fun and it's you can say it quicker so it. It's easily um, 
misinterpretable, which I think is kind of the point. Uh, yeah, it's like a far superior <laughs> spoof name. What are we doing? What are we doing here? What are we doing? <laughs> a lot of vagina spinoff series. That's what Austin Four is. That might be the only way we could possibly bring back this franchise. Is if she, she she's working. She looks good. She needs to be in the fourth movie. We need to do an end just like that style HBO Max reboot with the women of Austin <laughs> Powers minus minus Beyonce who's in Paris on assignment or whatever. Oh yeah, no Beyonce would absolutely never come back to be in an Austin Powers could you, movie. You could you imagine me? Beyonce being asked to remember? I mean, I'm sure she had a fine time, but could you imagine how being did they asked get her, to... How did they even get her in the first place? I could, ne- I can never, I don't even know if I can comprehend that. Super early acting career, time and place thing, I think. Pre-Dreamgirls for sure, right? Because Dreamgirls oh, was four. Three, four years, yeah. Yeah. That was the moment. <laughs> that was the moment. But I just want to say, like I said, this poker scene is like my favorite in the movie and i just think it i mean we see number two cheat right with his, his does he have an eye. eye under there does he have a robot eye we it's never really He's answered why eye. he can see through his um his eye patch and cheat but i i think i don't know why i love the way the delivery of him going i'll stay <laughs> i suggest you hit sir I also like to live dangerously. As you wish, sir. Like, it's just so funny to me. Because um, it's just so stupid. And it, it just feels, like, so evocative of that Bond-esque gambling vibe. That it, but it's just so stupid. Like, it's just, it's so funny to me. I, I love, love this scene so much. I love the the extreme confidence in just the most <laughs> stupid way. Yes, it's so good. Oh, Austin goes to the bathroom, and then we meet Tom Arnold. Um, <laughs> Patty comes in through a vent and tries to strangle Austin, but all Tom Arnold hears is the struggling Austin's having in the next stall. Oh, we yeah. didn't talk about Austin and Vanessa's cover names, Richie Cunningham and Oprah. <laughs> I love the way he says, Oprah. <laughs> this is my wife, Oprah. Like, it's just like he says every letter of the word. Uh, it's, it, uh, oh, Richard Cunningham is really good. And also, so is later, when they're in disguise, is that supposed to be Richard Cunningham and Oprah? Because <laughs> the fact so. that Oprah is a blonde cowgirl is uh, hilarious. And the fact that Richie Cunningham is, is he wearing a, uh, a turban? He's, he looks like the love guru. Yeah, he's wearing like a turban and a long, and he's wearing slight brown face, which is another good Lord, twice in one movie. Uh, and then like a long beard. Yeah. As they take the grand tour from the front of the facility to the back of the facility in a straight <laughs> yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good um, Lord. Uh, yeah, no, this cowboy is helping Austin through his poops, through his poops and his peeps. Tom Arnold is improvising all of this. Really? Or most of it. Yeah. You show that turd who's boss. I don't care. Listen, the words of Lawrence, the cable guy, I don't care who you are. That's funny. No, it. I actually loved Tom Arnold when he was like, "Hey, buddy, we're, we're gonna get through this, okay? I'm here with you." Like he was so genuine. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna see. We're gonna get through this. There it is again. The humanity and the heart, even in the silliest, stupidest scene. Uh, he kills. He fully kills this guy. I didn't. even yeah. I never noticed that he just fully kills Patty. They hung the stunt man upside down for like two hours <laughs> to get that shot. Oh my god, poor guy. <laughs> We have this small scene where Vanessa is calling her mother to 
kind of just you know talk about austin and kind of gauge like why did you like austin like what was it about him that made women i think maybe vanessa's trying to confront her own feelings of attraction to him by trying to gauge like what was it about him that women enjoyed and it was very interesting that um mrs kensington kind of brings up that like yeah he had bad teeth but that was like everybody had bad teeth like he he was you know he read a lot of books he was really smart he was really funny he's like he's a sexy guy like he has all these sexy attributes and meanwhile austin is uh walking around fully nude in the background (laughs) and she's you know um elizabeth hurley is looking at monitors waiting for mike myers who is wearing something to cover himself i could see it a bit in like one part yeah there is a shot where it is plainly visible but they did you know a a pretty good job for watching it on monitors on set yeah while she's you know pouring the pouring the tea out or all sorts of different that's so fascinating to me that she was doing that because there was a part with the magnifying glass where i can see her adjust it like i can see her like lower it uh because i'm like and so that makes sense that she was looking through a monitor and could see that it was a little too high and like uh that's so interesting movie magic movie magic it's a wonderful scene you know there is a lot of character too because we do see you know i like when we see the new version of the legacy characters Mm-hmm. Mrs. Kensington, like, ah, I couldn't talk to Austin. It's been too long. It's too weird. Yeah, that's so sad and also kind of, like, sweet but sad. It's true. And then we kind of see Vanessa and Austin going to spy, right? And I also think this is hilarious that they're, like, in the middle of spying with their cameras. And then he's like, wait, you look beautiful. And they just go on a date. Like, they're in the middle of doing their job. And then they just leave to go on a date. Oh, there's that great Austin line. They had to fight to get it in the movie. But I'd I'd, uh, never forget a pussy cat. Oh, it's so funny. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach, and they're on the double-decker. The world needs now is love, sweet love, no, not just for some. This is just such a lovely, sweet scene. It's Um, so good. I think it makes their relationship make sense. It does sometimes feel a little quick that they, like, fall into love kind of immediately, but I don't care because I have a good time, and... I love the couch bit. I used to do all the time. I made my mom watch me pretend to take the stairs behind the couch. Yeah, we took the stairs just a lot. constantly. Like I was so into that bit, I couldn't even handle it. I couldn't do the canoe. I couldn't figure out the canoe. I couldn't do the elevator because it's hard to squat like that. When they screened the movie, uh, for like for one of the first times, like to test it, the film broke. And they were like, "What do we do? What do we do?" So Mike Myers had to run down there and do that bit for people. That is so wild. <laughs> and they saved the screening, I guess. That's so funny. I would love to be at that screening. Holy cow. Any also, screen- another good bit. The I'm in a nutshell. How did I get into this nutshell? Like, that's another great quote. <laughs> that is so good. It's an iconic bit. Iconic bit. And then, uh, as you said, Austin knows his boundaries, thankfully. I love that. It's so good. And he gets really emotional and like grounded and real here in a way that's very sweet and i can't darling why not because you're drunk it's not right no i'm not drunk i'm just beginning to see what my mummy was talking about all those years ago i can't (sighs) all right well tell me all about my mummy in the 60s i'm dying to know what she was like she was very groovy Your dad loved her very much. 
there was one other cat in this world that could have loved her and treated her as well as your dad, then it was me. I'm just so impressed by Mike Myers' like character work. And some of the, my favorite character work he does in these movies is when he grounds the characters in really realistic performances. I think it takes a really talented and confident comedian to be able to take those moments and not worry about trying to make someone laugh all the time. This movie is just such a great example of how good he is at character work in a multitude of ways. I and agree. This is a great scene to show that, I think. Uh, there's something that we have to talk about that we skipped that I have to, <gasps> I would be remiss if I didn't bring up. Um, so when they had a lot of downtime on the set or when things were really difficult, they would play the Macarena, which was a huge hit song at the time. That manifests in the movie when Dr. Evil tries to prove to Scott that he's hip by doing the Macarena. Great bet. Aww, incredible. No other reason. Sorry I'm even intruding, but we have to we have to recap that. We gotta talk about it. Uh I think here is or let's just talk about the therapy. Yes. Carrie Carrie Fisher. Fisher. The amazing Carrie Fisher. I mean, she's the goat, one of the greatest that we ever had. She was she's so good. It's so fun that she's here. She's so freaking funny too as an actress. I love it. When she shows up in comedy stuff, because she's just so funny. She made a total meal out of this scene. Listen to the power of his words. Who's going to take over the world when I die? Just is so... (laughs) It's so good. And we sometimes say we want to kill each other, but we don't really. Oh, no, he's quite astute. (laughs) He has the amazing monologue everyone loves. It's great. It's so funny. You know, uh, smoke them if you got them. Love this while it's valid and continuity is all I have to say. Although it is actually still valid and continuity. They explain yeah, it Yeah, I mean, later. honestly, they, they make it make sense in the third movie, technically. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Stay tuned. Just absolutely brilliant. And again, there's this like, uh, turned into a cartoon in the next one. It's just so brilliantly written and performed. His his father claimed he invented the question mark. Like, <laughs> yes. how do you even come up with like the question mark? Just brilliant. <laughs> Is this also around the time we go to a lot of vaginas? home or is that later austin is they are asleep and he gets the call from basil so let's go there this like hilarious what even is this it was just a coincidence that the hotel looks like the inside because the inside this this room they shot at was like some refinery by an airport that smelled horrible what yeah yeah, yeah, how's this like weird like japanese inspired room was like a warehouse that's right that's so weird. So weird. But uh, I was a little astounded at the nudity in this scene. I was like, especially in the the silhouette. Like we're seeing all of her everything. I was like, the silhouette's Whoa, crazy. The cuts are the cuts are extremely close. There was a slosh in there where I was like, no fucking way. Her boobs are very buoyant, and there was like, <laughs> like her nipples are always on the crest of maybe being out of the water, and they're just not quite. And I'm like, how did they do this? Do they have to have weights pulling down her boobs <laughs> to just keep them just right <laughs> under the water? It was luck. Because man, I was like, girl, you're she's so close to peeking out. They even say it on the DVD. It was pure luck <laughs> that her boobs didn't come out of the water. Yeah. 
That's Literally. So An oh, another line I love in this scene is the... How dare you break wind before me? I'm sorry, baby. I didn't know it was your turn. <laughs> Pardon me for being rude. It was not me. It was my food. It just popped up to say hello, and now it's gone back down below. That's beautiful. Thank you. Who's like? Who's gonna then? Who's turned on by that? Who's fucking this guy? I mean, it's kind of like in the second one. Sometimes it's just your job, you know. That's fair. Also, that she has to look into his little wallet to get confirmation that he's Austin Powers. What? Is he not obviously Austin Powers? Also, why does he carry that around? Especially if he's he going to go sneaking cards. anywhere. His Austin Powers business, business cards. cards. <laughs> what does the back of them say? Does he have a number? Like, I don't understand. So silly. So then I think... Yeah, the next we go to Basil's, uh, get a little bit of an intro before we go to infiltrate Virtucon. But that's I know right. you really love the Basil scene because <laughs> of the mom. Austin, that's my mother. <laughs> that's not your mother, man. That's a man, man. <laughs> Whatever I love, the hell That's not says. your mother. That's a man, man. Well, it's funny. Like, obviously, like, number one, the fact that that's a real old lady stunt woman who was totally game for that and did a great job. A. Yeah, way to go, old lady stuff. B, it makes Austin look like an idiot for that joke at the beginning of the movie. So yes. modern day lens, you know, 2021 lens redeemed or 2022 lens redeemed. Excuse me. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, it's been two years. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, And it's also just a very confident person acting like a complete idiot. Yeah, we love to see it. We love to see it. In the meeting with Basil. He shows off the photos he took in a lot of vagina's penthouse. And she's like, how'd you get those? And he's like, oh, you know, Austin did some spying for us. He went to do a lot of vagina's penthouse. And then back at the hotel, they have the conversation of, you should, my, one of my favorite line readings. You're right to be suspicious. I shagged her. What? I shagged her rotten, baby. Yeah. And then we have my favorite scene in the movie, which is Austin relearning the 30 years that he yes. missed. Watches the moon landing. He tries to play a CD on a vinyl on a record player. Sees the fall of the Berlin Wall. That's right. He puffs a sneaker into his face. There's like billows of smoke everywhere. He's got to learn. And 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 I think the next morning, Vanessa comes out and is like, "Yeah, sometimes I forget <laughs> that you were not around for thirty years, and there was a lot of stuff that changed." And then they're just kind of okay now? Question mark. Yeah, it's a little tidy, but we're at like an hour ten in the movie at that point. We got to get going. We got to get going. Um, Austin's response to her is the move, the line. I quote it almost as much to myself. Uh, yeah. And I can't believe Liberace was gay. All the women <laughs> loved him. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> great. Great. line. I right. love those kind of self-aware. I think sometimes for me, self-aware jokes are major hit or miss, like very few hit for me, but the ones in this movie hit for me. Super good. All right. Then we get the love guru and Oprah go to Virchicon. <laughs> the love guru and Oprah. They they break in in the least, in the most noticeable, loudest way possible, which is a man and a woman both go to the bathroom and then they get off this small tram that is just heading 10 feet in one direction. Literally. I think it's so funny how they break in, immediately are kind of caught and then j hijack the steamroller. <laughs> 
in this giant room that is what are they steamrolling and then these cops are just shooting at them and cannot hit them and they're going two miles per hour on this steamroller and we see the incredible michael mcdonald who i love mad tv fame and also other things but i love him from mad tv hero of the show i feel like this is people that don't know austin powers know this bit i feel like the steamroller bit no and the steamroller is like slowly going towards him he's like no it's so good it's Do you amazing. know what i noticed this time they run him over and then immediately get off they couldn't have just gotten off like, there was a no second need for before. any of it there was no need for any of it they, they moved a total of 15 feet and then they get off the second they kill him and they just run off into a doorway i just thought that was very funny i noticed that this time and i was like why did they drive <laughs> Why did they drive? Why did they do that? There was no point. Um, They did cut out something here that I thought was really funny, which is it goes to, it cuts to Michael McDonald's home where in some like plush suburban town, his wife is preparing dinner and his son comes home from baseball and she gets the call that he has been crushed by a steamroller. I wish they had kept that in. I know it's a pacing thing, but it also would be so funny. (laughs) So there's, Three things from two of those and a joke with Christian Slater about sherbet ice, sherbet ice cream What are in the UK version. Dear friend of the show, Dirk Feelgood, made a joke about sherbet ice cream when we announced the show in the Discord. And like... I've never seen this. It flew right over my head until I Googled it and I realized that he had been watching a totally different movie than me That's for 20 so years. Wild. I have to look this up. That is so wild. It's not even on the Blu-ray, which I was like, why? Why wouldn't you show it? It wasn't on the DVD That's when so we were weird. kids. It wasn't on the Blu-ray now. Like, very odd. Why is that UK specific? I don't understand. I don't get it. From here, the movie starts to kind of just get going. Uh, we start to kind of race for it the end. It gets going after an hour and 20 minutes, Kev. You know what I mean. Now this movie picks up a little bit. Now we're getting to the... Well, you know what I mean. Is things, start to, things start to fall apart, right? Yes. There's a lot more action. Pretty much immediately get caught by Dr. Evil. This watch, I found it really weird that he... he so he brings them to the place where the warhead... We've been kind of ignoring uh, Dr. Evil's plot, but he basically stole this warhead as after and he and, and you know held up the United Nations with it for a hundred billion dollars. And he brings Austin and he just fits Austin and Vanessa into these fancy little sexy outfits to host them at his lair, I guess. He makes dinner for them. And he cooks them. them like dinner. Yeah, he like has them for dinner, which is so weird. And this is, by the way, after they're caught by random task. The less said about random task, the better. It's an odd job parody. Uh, yes. He throws his shoe instead of a hat. Why he has the steak dinner, it's all part of it, right? He, as he tells Scott later, you just don't get it, do you? All part of the game they play. I love that. I love that they play a game and that Dr. Evil, even though he's got the world in his hands, literally, he still has to play the game, even though playing the game is how he loses. I love that about this movie. Yeah, it's so funny because Scott, it's very self-aware because Scott is like, just shoot him. Just shoot I have him a right gun. now because, because what he, he he wants the sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads to kill Austin, but all they could get were sea bass with, <laughs> uh, that are angry. They're ill-tempered. <laughs> and honestly, freaking, uh, his face is Dr. Evil after hearing the phrase sea bass was so funny. <laughs> the way they just held that was so hilarious. Uh, and he, you know, he's going to, 
tie Austin and Vanessa up in this room and then not watch them die. And like, and Scott is just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's funny that it's being self-aware of itself of like, this is very stupid. This is a stupid way to deal with people. But this is the way you have to, because that's, again, the the rules of the game. It's the rules. It's the rules of the world. I love it. They use the dental floss from the earlier scene to escape this guard which the guard has a gun he sees them escaping and he's just going what oh my and just like walking around i'm like just shoot him (laughs) what the poor guy will never get ahead in life he'll never be the head of a major corporation (laughs) um this guy also had a flashback uh there's a bachelor party at like a tgi fridays kind of restaurant and rob lowe is the guy playing like he he's a cameo as like the guy's friend who organized it. Then That's he, so funny. Then he gets the call at the restaurant that the guy's head has been eaten by a ill-tempered sea bass. Austin and Vanessa make their escape with they they find a little cart a cart and drive down to a kind of a dead end. But Austin tells Vanessa to go on ahead, get back up, and I'll stay here. And they have this moment where he's like, "Hey." I've been thinking about it, and if you want me to be a one-woman man, that's cool with me. He, like, commits to monogamy in this moment in the hallway. It's beautiful. It's so great. It's beautiful. And, uh, I oh, I didn't... I love the way she goes, behave to him. I thought it was really cute and sexy, and they're, they're cute. I like Vanessa and Austin together. It's a good arc. Yeah, and so Vanessa leaves to go get back up. I have a conspiracy theory about this moment that we will get to in the second film. <laughs> uh, and Austin does the bit where he tries to back back himself in this hallway and the, the card is just the size of the hallway. So he's just going back and forth. One of my favorite gifts to use. I will not lie. They had to, um, <laughs> they, they had to air, they had to lift the truck into that spot. I was about to say they had to have picked it up or something. Cause there's no way they could have naturally gotten it into that position. <laughs> exactly and then does he just abandon it because i feel like the next thing he does is he goes to see the fembots that's right he runs away and he lands right in the chamber of the fembots who we didn't really talk about earlier but they're feminine robots designed to kill him that can seduce men basically women of their caliber because <laughs> of the caliber because of the kind of people they are and the you know <laughs> uh this scene is so funny i love this song i love austin I, I, my mind was blown by the cigarettes. I don't know how he did it. How do he do it? I gotta know. Movie magic. Was that in the commentary? No. Movie magic. (sighs) Damn. And it's, it's very funny to me that how he overcomes the fembots is by seducing them himself, himself kind of, uh, it's it's a, it's a fun little scene. It's fun to watch Mike Myers just get mostly naked and dance to the divinals and be weird. It's just fun. It's also fun to see after 90 minutes of Austin being told basically that he has to change his behavior to see the swinger Austin a little bit. Mm-hmm. At least. And that it works. It works for him. And it's funny for us. So it's like yeah. a win-win, you know? Yeah. And after all their heads explode, Vanessa shows back up with British forces... And they're ready to leap into action into this climax, into this climactic fight with Dr. Evil. Hell yeah, that's right. Austin deactivates the warhead. He confronts Dr. Evil. A lot of Fachina has Vanessa hostage, and Dr. Evil has Austin as well. Number two, in the best deleted scene possibly of all time, 
Dr. Evil, uh, number two, tries to make a deal with Austin. And it's like, there's like $100 million, but he's like thirty, he's like $8,000 short because it's a Fendi briefcase. So he took the money out of the briefcase to buy the briefcase. And Austin's like, I didn't get any say in it, man. You know, um, As we kind of talked about before, number two's whole deal in this movie is that you don't have to be Dr. Evil anymore. That's an outdated concept. Now all you have to do is, is run a company until it's big enough that you wield that power without having to hold anybody ransom. Because you have everybody at ransom because you're a CEO. But Dr. Evil doesn't care. And he kills number two. Immediately. And like, once you know that Fendi bit was cut, it is quite an edit. It is a crazy abrupt edit. How he's like, I have a deal for you. And then it's just, boom, he's dead. Like, it's very wild. (laughs) Why would you even, why would you even sit down if you're number two? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. And this is also, I think I mentioned the first time I really listened to this conversation that I thought was interesting of Austin being like, we all we wanted was was to be free. We just wanted freedom and love. And yeah, we have more responsibilities now. But I think that like that freedom is still really present. And like it was just like an interesting reflection on like the difference between the '60s and where culture went from the '60s, uh, which I think is kind of what Austin Powers as a entity is like a meditation on. Uh, so I just thought it was, I just had never really listened to that scene before, and I was like, oh. And also, you sent me that really great. A video essay about Austin Powers and what right. it says about media. And so it, that specifically felt very prevalent uh, regarding that video essay that we should totally link in our show notes because it was really, really good. But It's excellent, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a really good scene. I was like, oh, they're, they're saying things here. I, I had never really paid attention to it. Yeah, you know, Jay Roach has a really great line in the commentary, which I should pull up, where Dr. Evil is... Everything about him, he was so happy in the 50s when world domination and being a square was totally cool. Um, He says, my thing with him always was he was pissed off when the 60s happened because it ruined his parade. And Austin represented the worst side of it. Too much freedom, too free spirited, too much sex, too much hair. That's so fun. And that comes to that bears fruit here in this scene with Austin as they kind of, you know, just like a James Bond movie, they got to tell each other their philosophies while trying to stop the world from ending yeah also thinking about dr evil representing the 50s is very interesting as well (laughs) if he had if he had stuck around three more years he would have been okay (laughs) yeah literally um he would have loved the 80s i feel like a certain part of the 80s he he would have loved a ronald reagan presidency hell yeah no absolutely basically they kind of face off I forget. Oh, uh, Vanessa judo chops. That's how she gets free. She, she judo, judo chops, chops a lot of vagina. Where does Lotta go? Where does she go? There was a, so in the, I alluded to it earlier, but in the original work print, there's a joke where she goes like, this is for sleeping with Austin. But a says she couldn't do it because of the teeth. Mm. And then she's like, that eh, makes sense. I think she still chops her anyway, which would have been <laughs> like, at least give her something. Yeah, give her something to say. Because uh, she kind of just disappears into the ether. Uh, Vanessa Judo Chops joins Austin, and, and Austin leaps into action, and Dr. Evil cryogenically freezes himself yet again. Gets away. Blasts off into space and escapes. And evil is vanquished for today. <laughs> is it three months later? I forget how far we cut forward. There's a period of time. I forget how long it is. See, this is well. this is how you know we're super fans here. 
Yeah, we're super fans. We're really, really <laughs> honed in to um, <laughs> the minute details of this film. Um, well, basically, the important part is that Austin and Vanessa get married. That's right. In in what was actually a kind of reshot epilogue. It does feel weirdly, like, it doesn't feel like it needs to be there. And I'm not saying it's bad, but I think that, like, I just needed to know they get married. The The extra part of this scene does feel kind of like a afterthought. Yeah, the um, random task fight in the original cut in the work print which you can find on the internet archive, which is like barely watchable, only like a curio. It's not like to be entertained by uh, the mm-hmm. random task fight happens in the base. And I don't even think the pump comes back. Yeah. I, I mean, recall. it is nice to have the pump come back as a, as a button of the <laughs> movie, but it, it, the, the random task fight does feel kind of random, but random, yeah, see. <laughs> but uh, you know, it is kind of nice to see Austin and Vanessa working together and to fight, uh, fight somebody like it's, it's fun. But I, I just, I'm like, why right. are you, why is this here? And we get a reprise of the joke from before when now both of them are using stuff to block their junk. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hilariously in something you can't really see unless you're a frankly looking for it and also watching it in HD Elizabeth Hurley, just to make sure, has red tape. It's so big. <laughs> it is so lo- like. <laughs> look, I feel like most in most scenarios, you'd probably wear pasties. You know what I mean? Like things that are covering the nipples. But it looks like Elizabeth Hurley just got four inch r- electric red duct tape <laughs> and just taped it over her titties. And it makes no sense because it is so bright and so big. And you can absolutely see it in a lot of the parts of this scene. She's holding she's the spice rack. It's there in the frame. It was amazing. You could just see it. I, I would have been like, like, hey, can we do another take of that? And maybe cut the red duct tape off Elizabeth's boobs? It's a little more impressive with that because unlike the first time, they're not using any monitors. So Mm -hmm. they couldn't tell. It was all timing. It was all just like literally movie magic, right? I'll Mm -hmm. give them some slack on that. (laughs) It's just very funny. I I mean, and yeah, I was looking. I was like, I was honed in. I had my glasses. (laughs) I was looking. The fact that it was was bright red tape. (laughs) And then the newlyweds, you know, they, as I said, they fight random tasks and they're, they're just in newlywedded bliss. And we get a little last moment with Dr. Evil setting up the sequel for us. Did they say in the commentary if they were anticipating a sequel or not? So I think the commentary was recorded after the movie came out, not Mm. like before the sequels or anything. So there's that for you. I don't think they planned any of this because when the movie came out in the box office, it did okay. But where the success really came in was on home video. Mm. You know, once this thing hit Blockbuster and stuff, people could rent it and find it that way. That is where the cult really grew for this movie. Although the turnaround for Austin Powers 2 is like that. It came out in 99. Yeah. The fervor was delayed a little bit. (laughs) That's so interesting. And that, hey, that's Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. Episode one is in the books. We did it. We did the hardest thing. (sighs) We did it. (laughs) (laughs) Should we even rate Austin Powers International Man? I I feel like we shouldn't even rate the trilogy as they're called. No, let's not. I don't think it's worth it. I mean, we could say if it's better or worse. I've been one of those cool kids who's just giving likes lately because I've been been existentialist and being like, who am I? 
to give a star rating to a film. I'm going back and, and editing every review I've ever done of these movies on Letterboxd right now <laughs> in a, in a uh, manic cuff. We do have a piece of fan mail. Oh, thank God. From Rebecca Stogner. Hi, Rebecca. She says, hi, friends. Nothing too of note to share other than that I remember seeing some of the early scenes of International Man of Mystery on TV at a beach house when I was eight or nine. I saw the scene where Austin pisses forever and thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. My parents turned it off. Later that same day, I also saw my first Family Guy clip, and I wouldn't stop quoting it either. My parents were very unhappy, but now, as a full-grown adult, I still think that scene, the first movie in general, and unfortunately, Family Guy, are still very, very funny. Becca. Righteous. Thank you, Becca. That's wonderful. Thank you. And that's all we got uh, mail-wise. But you can also email us stuff, please, at austindangerpodcast. What? (laughs) What is it? austindangerpodcast at gmail.com. That's what it is. You can send us a voicemail or an email and we'll share it. We'll share it on the pod. Part of the joy and the love of this show is going to be hearing from you guys and telling us your Austin Powers stories or whatever we cover, basically. And uh, yeah. we want to talk to you. So feel free Our, to your send. Avatar stories. We need all Avatar stories right now. The <laughs> week we pick Avatar, if I don't get 20 voicemails in this inbox, I'm canceling the podcast. What are we even doing? We're going to tell Mike Myers to go home. <laughs> oh, this is fun. Oh, it was so much fun. And uh, yeah, two more to go until we've knocked out the Austin Powers trilogy, and then it's time to spin and the big wheel. I am so pumped to see where we go next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but until then, next week is Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Again, this one started it all, but Spy Who Shagged Me is where Austin Powers really becomes the thing you know about. <laughs> he becomes legend. That's right. He becomes legend. So until then... This is Kev. This is Mackenzie. And we'll see you next week. See you next time. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love, baby. Yeah. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening. 